Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, we're joined by Sarah White, CEO, founder, and head of research at Aspect 43, a membership-based strategy firm for HR tech and work tech vendors and investors. Sarah is a highly sought-after and respected member of the HR community, serving as a key advisor, strategist, analyst, speaker, and innovator in the HR, talent, and work technology space. She brings over 20 years of industry experience, and as founder of Aspect 43 and HR Tech Circle, Sarah is on a mission to revolutionize the way we work. Using technology is the key to improve the hiring, managing, and retention experiences for both employers and employees. Her expertise and thought leadership has earned her a widespread recognition as one of the most influential people in recruiting in HR tech for over a decade by more than 40 media outlets, and we brought Sarah on today to share some of that deep industry knowledge as we look at the current state of HR tech and where the industry is headed next. So without further ado, let's welcome Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you on. Excited to chat with you a bit about HR Tech, but let's first get you introduced to our audience of HR professionals. So why don't you get us started and tell us why HR? What led you to pursuing a career in human resources? Yeah, so I actually had zero intention of ever going into HR. I was in school studying theater. I was heading to Hollywood the second I graduated. Um, and I happened to get assigned to the career services department my freshman year for my work study. And my job in college was to keep the campus recruiters entertained and away from the frat houses. (laughs) Sounds like a challenging job. Um, it was a blast and my, my core group was the big five accounting firms. And so I spent a year hanging out with all of the recruiters and, learning about, you know, how they were doing it, watching everything they were doing wrong. And as I asked more and more questions about how they were using technology to do everything, I realized that even these largest companies had no tech. And so I started researching what was available. And at this point, this is the late 90s, um, early 2000s, and there really wasn't much available, especially as it came to recruiting. And I kind of realized that if it didn't exist, I had every chance of being an expert as anybody else would coming in. And so I started kind of focusing on this while still doing theater. And, you know, one thing led to another. And this is where I ended up instead of in Hollywood acting. I love it. You got that front row seat in college, having that opportunity to start out and really see where technology was making an impact in the workforce. Or wasn't at that point. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right. Uh, But again, being able to see just where it's come now, looking at technology in 2023, where is technology making its greatest impact on the HR department? I think two parts. The biggest impact from a business level is the ability to have insights and analytics in a way that we never have been able to have. We can actually truly build business cases and understand the impact of the decisions we are making around employee experience, around workforce management, around hiring in a way that we never have been able to in all of history. The second area 
is more at the actual individual level. And we're able to just automate so much. And as we continue to shift over into further automation, we're going to be able to focus on the more strategic and the more human parts of the job versus the administrative parts. And those are both really exciting for me. I love that. Yeah, that access to analytics is so key. Now you have real data to tell you what matters to your employees. Yes. Not, there's no speculation. There's no, again, trying to read the room. You've got the data that proves it and tell you where you need to focus your time and energy. And as you said, bring that human aspect in to really drive, again, your workforce and really make an impact and not necessarily get caught up in speculating what matters, but then also caught up in some of the back-end clerical work that was such a time suck in the role. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So one thing we've seen just again in looking at trends and what matters to employees and what matters to many workforces is that idea of leadership development. And we've had many guests on here with the HR Works podcast to talk about leadership development and steps you can take to really grow a workforce. Mike Bollinger from Cornerstone, a uh, good, good friend of yours, I know is one we've had on a couple of times to talk about this, but looking at leadership development as a top priority for HR leaders right now, how is HR tech helping to build and support effective leaders in 2023? Well, I think when we talk about leadership development and we have these type of conversations, we need to step back and understand why we're doing it in the first place. Our research shows that the number one issue at the business level for executives, for non-HR leaders, and for HR is actually retention by a significant margin. Uh, it has outpaced recruiting or anything else related to the business. And one of the top complaints that we see at the employee side is advancement and financial stability and some of these other things, which is really where the leadership development and skills training all come into play. And so, you know, it really is something foundational and important to the organizations. And we have been doing it okay. And mostly we've been doing it okay because we've been doing it the best we possibly could because the technology hadn't caught up to what we would be able to do to make it exceptional. And so we are starting to see this catch up where the technology is coming in and leadership development can really take on a whole new world of very personalized and hyper-personalized experiences to that individual. The second thing that we're seeing that's really interesting is a move away from the technology use around skills development and more of this uh, group cohort training or, you know, less mentorship and not traditional like classroom type of training, but almost more just cohorts or conversation groups within an organization to do development at a much more personalized, community-driven way. Yeah, you're learning with your peers and really yeah. advancing and becoming better leaders with your peers, who, again, you're fortifying your team in that as well, right? You've got a then team of leaders instead of individuals with different styles and maybe different approaches and understandings of what it means to be a leader within an organization. Now you're doing it together. And backgrounds, right? And yeah. so you're learning from people that have all different types of backgrounds, and we we fully understand the importance of diversity and that is so much broader than what we often just hear about on Twitter. Um, and so when we're looking at true diversity in the organization and we go into these groups to be able to learn from people that have different socioeconomic backgrounds, that have different family structure backgrounds, that have different religious backgrounds, it really creates better leaders because it in a way creates a different level of empathy 
that isn't going to be developed or trained through the technology. Yeah, that's great. Super interesting. So looking at that skills gap, such an important priority for so many HR teams to battle that skills gap. What are some things you've seen in the marketplace where HR teams have been able to leverage technology to better support employee growth and battle that skills gap? Leadership is just one of those, but there are so many skills that could be valuable to growing employees either in their current roles or where they're looking to go. So what are some ways that technology has been able to help that growth and development of skills? Yeah, and I'm going to just start with some baseline. 52% of companies are struggling to hire because they can't find candidates with the right skill set. 41% of companies uh, have upskilling or reskilling as a top priority this year based off, our, based off our insights at work research. And it still seems like as a community, we don't fully understand what this means. We don't really understand what upskilling means. We aren't really doing it quite effectively. The conversation has been around for a number of years, but really came into light over COVID. And all of a sudden, everybody was needing different skills. And uh, it really changed the dynamic around everything. And the technology is coming in to be able to support that. But at its core, we still have a little bit of a, a process and strategy issue around what these skills really mean. So last week, I happened to be in Boston, and I got to go to the Red Sox game, and I spent time with one of the ushers and got to know him and his story a little bit, and it turns out he was a career IT professional and retired a little over 20 years ago because of Excel. Wow. Okay. And um, he was already at the point and stage of retirement, and Excel came in and it was a forced upskilling and there was not a really solid way to help people that have spent, you know, 40 years in a career understand or learn. It was being taught by very junior level people in a very different way, you know, people who had grown up with a computer and grown up using these type of tools in the classroom or in a computer lab. And, and sometimes when we're doing reskilling, we forget about you know, one, do people even want to do this? And is this something that's going to be valuable? We automatically assume everybody wants to reskill and everybody wants to be a programmer. Everybody wants to do software and they really don't. Um, and I, I think one of the things we are going to have to do one more step of evolution around the upskilling and reskilling conversation is really around ensuring that we are respecting both what the organization wants and needs, but also what that individual employee wants and needs for their own career path. And it might not be reskilling in the way that you think, and it might be a reskilling in a completely different way that you've thought of. And I think what is emerging right now, and we've had career pathing software and portals for a number of years and the marketplaces, but I think what we are starting to see now is the next generation of these, kind of generation two of these, which really takes into account at that individual level, not only what skills they have or would be willing to do, but their interest level in them. Like I might be really good at something, but I have no interest in doing it. For instance, I, you know, I'm forklift certified, so I can check that skill off a box. Have I used a forklift since the day I was certified? Absolutely not. Do I ever want a job where I use a forklift? No, never. And so instead of it just being a check the box, if you have the skill, we're really seeing an evolution that includes that whole person and 
and the inclusion of that person's goals and desires at the same level that we include what the company needs. That's a really cool outlook. And yeah, so many skills you could say you're certified, but have you been using those skills? Are you a bit rusty on those yeah. skills? You check the box, but does that align with your passions and where you are career-wise? Correct. I love that uh, example you gave of the usher at, at Fenway Park. And again, that's a gentleman who has years of industry knowledge, yeah, but was squeezed out due to inserting new technology and just not being trained and, and developed the right way to utilize it. That's something I think a lot of workforces are going to be looking at certainly now as you got the influx of Gen Z coming into the workforce. You're at a point where there's four to five generations possibly within a workforce, all with ranging amounts of knowledge. Yeah. How do you serve all four to five of those generations, all with different technology needs, but get them on the same page, but not getting stuck being either too far behind on technology, but also not maybe rushing to the newest technologies to squeeze out your longer tenured individuals who bring a ton of real boots on the ground knowledge. And just, you know, the his name's Bill. So Bill has been at Fenway for another 22 years. Wow. And, you know, he knew everybody's families that were sitting around us. He knew their stories. He was asking about weddings. Like he knew everything uh, about the group of people. And so, you know, you think about these skill sets and what actually matters and where the value is beyond the hard skill. What are those soft skills? As you mentioned, like institutional knowledge, what other roles can people play that we maybe aren't considering, especially for the workforce that is maybe not entirely ready to retire, but they kind of want to retire and just shift into something different. The amount of knowledge from a mentorship perspective or from a coaching level is really amazing at how much we are losing at a lot of organizations, not just due to retirement, but due to turnover and you know the retention challenges. And it's starting to kind of bite companies, which is why we're seeing the increased interest in retention. Shout out to Bill. I love hearing that he's just so passionate about what he does as an usher at Fenway Park. He's in the people operations industry as much as anyone else is. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I didn't want to leave Bill at the end of the night. He was so much fun. That's great. Such a good story to share. Thanks for that, Sarah. I think you touched on something that was really interesting. It's that idea of even with skills development and leadership development, that there was a need in the HR space for developing our leaders. And the idea was out there of upskilling, but no one really knew how to do it and what that meant. What's an aspect of the HR industry right now that maybe is in need of a tech refresh or an overhaul or just needs technology? What are those HR pros looking for right now? I think there's two things that we're going to consider. The first is what is going to need a refresh. The second is what is about to come in that we haven't asked for, but we need. And so when we look at the tech refresh, I think what we are going to see is the hyper-personalization of all of the technology. And when I say that it never fails, I get, you know, 30 or 40 vendors that are like, no, 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 we already do that. We're the only ones that do that. We're the best at that. We're, we're amazing. And I'm like, yes, kind of. But what I'm thinking of is really this next evolution. And it's not like you're at this location, but it knows based off of all of the other activity that you've done what you are most likely to like. And it continues to learning about you at the individual level versus you at the job grouping level. And when we're looking at product architecture and product road mapping, a lot of times purely because of the 
the state of technology itself and where we were advanced over the last, you know, five to six years, we've been able to get very personalized or at least present the perception of personalization. But it has often been at the job level, the location level. Um, the next evolution of this using, you know, different levels of AI, it's going to be personalized in a way that we just can't imagine. And it's really, really cool what is coming up. The second part is what is going to be coming that doesn't exist yet. And I think we're going to take a play out of what is going on in sales enablement, in Marcoms and FinTech and some of these other areas. And we're going to start seeing tools around HR and recruiter enablement. And how do we really create a professionalism for these people where it's not, you've got a bunch of stuff sitting in a folder, go find it. But there's almost a baseline of programming and access to documentation and ability to create and consume um, specifically for the HR and the hiring role in a way that we just have never done before. And I'm starting to see some early stage companies working on this. I, I'm all for this. I think this is going to completely shift what and how we do things more on the administrative side. Um, so the, the administrative piece will also become very strategic and administrative, not in how we manage our employees and the tasks associated with it, but the administrative of how do we strategically manage HR and recruiting as a department, very similar to how we are managing it as a department for sales, for marketing, for finance, for accounting. And it's going to be something that a lot of people are not going to like at all. And the ones that get it will get it. You're using your people department, your recruiting department as an asset to really bring in and bolster your organization, right? Yeah. They're out in the market bringing in top talent that only makes the organization better. If, yeah. if you're not really empowering your recruiters and your people team to go find and then also develop those great workers, they're going somewhere else. They're going to the competition and making them stronger. Right. Exactly. And and you have to get that HR team to be able to answer the same questions in the boardroom in the exact same way as every other department. Right. And the technology itself hasn't been powerful enough built in the right way in order to do that until some of the newer analytics tools came in and now it's rolling into, you know, much more across the board in a strategic way. Well, you hear about KPIs again, every department really has KPIs to look to. And now that you've got analytics, you've got tools that can really look at what your people, what your workforce needs and have real KPIs that you can point to in the boardroom. That's only going to make you more strategic and impactful. Yeah. And not KPIs like time to fill, but like KPIs in like, how retention is tied to turnover is tied to the customer ratings and scores and tied back to profitability and revenue and really kind of up moving it into much more tightly involved with the corporate goals. Yeah. I like what you said earlier too, about getting better with personalization. Yeah. I think it, it is really interesting to see that so much of the personalization is built around the task you've got someone hired for, but there's so much more to people and the skill sets that they bring in that finding ways to tap into that is a great asset 
that teams can really leverage. You may have employees that have a passion in social media or video production, but they're not in that role. And when that need comes up, you've got that knowledge base at your fingertips without having to go out and find that next person. But it's not on their resume, so they don't know how to do it. Right. You know, it's like the other thing that I am really pushing for, and I, I think that we're going to see, and I get a lot of pushback on, is the entire concept of jobs is going to change. And I spend a lot of time researching what buyers and users and employees and HR teams and all of that are are looking for and missing and needing. And I spend even more time working on product roadmaps and building the next generation of technology and doing a lot of the work behind the scenes. And one of the, the one of the things that I'm really pushing now to most of the companies we're working for is as you are building this next generation of technology, how do we remove the idea of jobs completely out of your mind? How do we build systems where it is no longer about that job title? but it is about functions and roles and projects and abilities in a way that isn't necessarily tied to a job description because fewer and fewer people are going to be working in a job description as we move further and further into a contingent marketplace. And this contingent marketplace isn't always even an externally contingent. We're going to start seeing people that are almost full-time contractors or consultants within one organization. And, you know, I've had, I actually worked for Mike Bollinger in a role like that at Cornerstone years ago where, you know, I worked inside the organization, but I was basically an internal consultant that went team to team to team, depending on where I was needed. And so I technically had a job, but my job really didn't have anything as far as a description goes, other than, you know, be helpful for everybody. And I think we're just going to start seeing more and more of that but we can't really create true change in organizations with how people work if they don't have the technology to manage the change in the way they want it to change. And so it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. So sometimes we have to create the tech for what is to come and wait for it to catch up versus waiting for the world to change and then our tech having to catch up. That's really interesting and certainly a smart approach. Again, look at your people beyond just their titles um, and yeah. see where they can just help the organization across the board. Right. And treating individuals more as subject matter experts and plug and plays to different teams and taking them out of just that title. Title can be very restrictive at times. You've got the employee as part of the organization. Use them. Right. A hundred percent. I think one of the challenges that we see, uh, for instance, companies that offer tuition reimbursement. Right. So a person that is in customer service goes, works in customer service for four years. As they get their degree, they graduate with their degree. They apply for a job in marketing, in IT, in sales and whatever it is. And somebody looks and is like, yeah, but you're a customer service rep. And so they go to your competitor who doesn't look at that job. They look at the recent degree and they look that you've been working at anything and they aren't bound by the same constrictions as we sometimes use internally for our people. And so there's a little bit of a a mental shift that's going to happen as well, but I think it's going to happen. I mean, Gen Z is going to completely destroy everything in the best possible way. And I'm so freaking excited for it. Yeah, their revolution has in the workplace for sure. And as we're seeing the percentage of the workforce population grow in there, I mean, it's going to be quarter of the workforce, if not already, very shortly. Yeah. Which is exciting. And we're definitely feeling the impact, which is, is a good thing. Talking about teams adapting and bringing new technology into teams. 
how can organizations and their HR teams know what the right fit is for new technology instead of just always chasing the newest toy on the market? What are some best practices to introducing technology the right way so you're not overwhelming and just overloading your group with the newest almost to a fault? I think one of the challenges we see a lot really is people kind of chasing everything. Right. So we index 77 categories of technology in the HR tech stack alone. Uh, within talent acquisition, there's more than 30 categories just in talent acquisition. When we've gone in to do tech stack reviews for organizations, we have seen upwards of 60 to 70 contracts and products within just the talent acquisition group at one organization. And so there is a challenge and a balance of how do we stay competitive? How do we stay looking forward? And how do we also be strategic versus chasing everything? One of the biggest challenges we see across all areas of technology and why they're buying the tech is they're trying to solve a problem. But instead of actually sitting down to understand what the problem is, they keep either adding on more and more technology or they just buy different technology and they try to make it fix the problem uh, that they won't just sit down and address. In most cases, a company can actually solve the problem and retain the technology they already have simply by redoing their process um, or doing a re-implementation. And so getting more strategic with that selection and really understanding why is important. The second part of that is making sure that you aren't so selective that you become scared and you refuse to adapt and bring on new things. There's actually um, on our website, a free download on buying HR tech that we just published um, in Q1. And so it walks through like a lot of these concerns and things companies should think about. I'm a big believer in technology. Obviously, I've spent my career focused on this, but I'm also a believer in doing it smart, not dumb. I love that. You gave two great points there. I think the first being, think about your process. It's not just find the next tool that's going to fix or do what you need better. Yes. Maybe it's the process. Maybe you're using the tool all wrong. That's right. certainly something that teams should be looking at. But then again, trying new products out, not being as change averse as maybe some of us fall into, try it out. See if it works. If you don't like it, move on to the next one. Also, stop doing RFPs for the love of God. Like, Do not do an RFP. Companies that do RFPs typically get lower response rates from the companies. They end up less happy with their technology and they end up spending more because most people are going to upcharge an RFP by upwards of 20 to 40%. Because if you're doing an RFP, you're probably a pain in the ass to deal with. Um, and so just have the relationship, look at the products, trust the vendors that you are talking to are experts in their space and ask them, how are other people using this? Show me something cool that I wouldn't otherwise know to ask for. Because when you do an RFP, you are typically buying old technology and you are asking questions about the technology as you knew what existed or what you already currently have, instead of having conversations around, show me something interesting. What can you do that would blow my mind? Like, how do you solve these particular issues? 
we don't like don't buy on feature function anymore. You buy on usability, you buy on how it actually solves things. You buy on how realistic it is to get adopted. Yeah, that's all great advice. Looking at the HR job function, if you had to pick one function that HR professionals should start automating more of, and maybe one that they should protect as human first, what would those two be? I think when we're looking at what we should automate and what we should make more human, it is almost the exact same answers for both questions. There's two things that really stand out that are both easy to do and available currently. The first is around hiring and the candidate experience. There's a lot of that process that can be automated, can be simplified, can be done faster if we use technology versus people. By doing so, we get to have a much more human experience for those candidates which right now is greatly, greatly lacking. And there's just a a gap. And we can't talk about employee experience and not start with the candidate experience. On the flip side of it, really comes down to scheduling, time and attendance and scheduling, which is something that a lot of people don't think much about. But if we're looking at the huge number of people that work hourly and shift workers in this nation, The fact that some places are still doing this entirely manually, the amount of time to make out a schedule and then correct it because somebody forgot somebody was on vacation or there was prom or something else was going on. And then in order to make changes, somebody has to send out an email or a call or text everybody and find a shift replacement, blah, 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 blah. We can actually humanize that whole process and make life easier for everybody involved by pulling the technology in and by using the technology so that the second somebody's like, oh, I can't work tonight, I can say, hey, does anybody want the shift? Somebody that's trying to pick up some extra hours can grab it. It automatically updates everything in the system. It can ensure that the person isn't going to go into overtime and has already been trained and is doing all of these things. And the amount of time savings that you have and the amount of personal value. Because I think there's a real disconnect as I talk to HR people that personalized experiences mean they want to talk to you on a one-on-one basis. They do not. Nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to talk to anybody. We want everything to be done easily. Right. When you're ready to do it, when you want to do it. Yes. If it's personal, that doesn't mean I send an email and I wait for you. That means I could just do it by myself. I don't have to talk to you. I want to go through the self-checkout line. I don't want to walk into a bank. I definitely don't want to call anybody in HR for something that I should be able to do myself off of an app. And so I, I think we have to break this idea that technology doesn't create a more personalized experience. Yeah, it's just giving people more control of their own destiny. Yeah, like it goes faster. We have short attention spans. I love that. So again, we're here with Sarah White, CEO, founder, and head of research at Aspect 43. Sarah, for our listeners, what would you like them to know about Aspect 43? And what's the best way to learn more and and get in touch with you? Yeah. So I think one of the biggest things for me when I founded Aspect 43, I wanted to ensure that every HR leader, every practitioner, every recruiter, anybody with any interest around hiring, retaining, or managing talent had access to quality analyst level research 
entirely for free. So all of our content, all of our research, all of our reports are available for free on our website. You can download them. Um, It'll email it over to you. No one will ever email you about anything else. Your stuff isn't sold. We have nothing to sell you. We literally just exist to give you free research and information to help make you better decision makers and buyers around the technology so that in turn, you can create better workplaces for your employees. What we do on the flip side is we run some surveys and we do focus groups and we love having HR practitioners and leaders participate. We had 3,000 participate in our survey in Q1. We've had about 1,500 HR and recruiting leaders sign up to be part of our focus groups since January. We are going to continue to expand that out. We actually compensate people if they participate in a focus group. So not only do they get all our free research, we pay them if they get picked for a focus group or want to sit on a board or anything like that. Um, and then on the flip side, what we do with that research that's aggregated is we actually use it and uh, the other division of our business works with all of the HR tech vendors with the events, works with the solution providers, everybody that is creating and building in this space. And we really make sure the voice of the user, the voice of HR, the voice of the employee, the voice of the candidate is properly represented, not just in how they're building the technology in the next generation, but in how they are marketing and selling. And so we do a lot of work around go to market and stopping those crappy emails that you don't like and stopping you getting the calls that you don't like and helping people make sure that they're developing the right type of content to show off their market education and market expertise as well. And so that we create a community that is really well-versed in market education and providing value instead of providing sales content. That is fantastic. Where can our listeners go if they want to learn more? Do you have a website we can send them to? Yeah. So aspect43.com is there. And uh, we have a new site that is more practitioner focused. It is currently in beta called HR Tech Circle. We will do the full launch this summer of that, but we are still up in, in beta and testing out. But it is going to have around 100 vendors on it that are all uh, putting all of their thought leadership content, all of the industry events, all of the upcoming podcasts and everything that a practitioner may possibly want to have an access at any time, you can get in one place without having to spend a whole month on Google to find it. And it's also totally free, no email registration required. Just get your information and, and engage as you will. That's great. Well, great asset for information, insight, and community building for the HR community. So definitely recommend our audience checking that one out at Aspect 43. Now, Sarah, we've highlighted just so much of the success you've had within the HR tech community. What's the best piece of advice, professional advice that you've received along the way that you've leaned on that's really helped you grow that you could pass along to our audience of HR professionals and recruiting professionals and anyone else listening out there? Early in my career, I think I was 21, and I went to a grad program at Cornell, and Jerry Crispin happened to be teaching. And anybody on the TA side of the world knows Jerry well. And he gave me two bits of advice very early on. The first was to understand business, not just HR. And the second one was to never stop learning. 
And there's all different ways to do that as you progress in your career. One is just like wanting to continue to learn. The second way that I really lean into heavily is around mentorship. How do we ensure that we can pass as much knowledge as we have to, I say the next generation, but it's not always people that are younger to us. It might just be people that are newer to their role or newer to the industry. And, and in turn, as you're mentoring, what can you learn from them about their past experiences, their generation, their, you know, different types of backgrounds and outlooks. And, um, you know, I think mentorship is one of the most underrated things that we can do. We don't need to do it on a formalized way. We don't need to talk about it on LinkedIn every day about here's my list of mentorees that I'm working with. Um, But you definitely do want to continue to support and encourage and, and find people that you can build up. And if there are people that don't look like you, even better. And that's really what we're doing here. We're sharing information yeah. on the podcast, but but also what you're doing as part of your mission with Aspect 43 and creating that platform. A hundred percent. All right. Well, before we let you go, Sarah, I do want to call this out as we're having this recording in mid-May of 2023. And we've got Sherm 23 coming up in Las Vegas. From what I understand, you're hosting a session there. So why don't you tell us a bit more about that? I am. We're going to be talking about offboarding and okay. how that ties back to the employee experience. And I think I just saw they added a second session for us. So we will be on Tuesday. And then we have the very final session of SHRM on Wednesday. And it's going to be a great session. You know, I have been a big advocate of onboarding. And a couple of years ago, wrote about how onboarding is no longer for new hires, but it is really moving beyond that to how do we onboard into a new role within the organization, into a new stage of life if somebody is moving into a part-time or a fractional type of role. Um, and offboarding is part of it. How do we onboard them into being part of our alumni group or into our retiree group? And you know, we forget about everything that's involved with the offboarding process and the impact that can have on future referrals and boomerang employees and bringing those employees back. But we also forget about the impact it has on the employees that are left. You know, we've all been in a situation where somebody has left our organization and everyone left behind had 40% more work and 50% less understanding of what they were supposed to do with anything. And we, you know, you're like, what in the world were they even doing? Like what is happening here? And, uh, and then we see the teams that have a lot of offboarding and people moving off of them that are not functional and are not done in a very process driven way and in a personal way just become a lot more work for everyone involved and you end up having higher turnover. And so you impact your broader retention, you impact your customer, CSAT scores, you know, just overall offboarding is this kind of forgotten thing that we don't really talk too much about because it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll do an exit interview. And it just really is so much more than that today. I love that. Yeah. Again, putting focus on the often overlooked part of the process. Onboarding gets all the attention, but that offboarding component is so essential. Uh, so again, Sarah's hosting her session, Offboarding, The Secret Weapon in Employee Experience, with two sessions, with the first being Tuesday, June 13th at 2 p.m. For any listeners out there who are attending SHRM 23, definitely go check that out and hear Sarah's great presentation on offboarding. So Sarah, excited for that one. I know I'll be out there. I'll certainly try to drop in on one of those sessions, but really exciting to see that coming up. So now, Sarah, before we let you go, this is the one question we close out with all of our guests, okay. and it's all about motivation. 
Yeah. So you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor. What is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? I'm changing the world and I get to do it behind the scenes um, and at scale, right? Like when we put DEI stuff or we put things that make life easier for employees, we're changing millions of people's lives at once. And I think that so many people are short-sighted in the true impact that we have as technology vendors, as consultants, as practitioners, and the impact we have at the individual level of somebody's life. And I mean, how can you not get up every day and just want to do that? Yeah, that'll get me motivated and inspired for sure. Yeah. That's great. Well, again, Sarah White, CEO, founder, and head of research at Aspect 43. Thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast, having a great conversation just about HR technology and where the industry is headed next. Uh, I really enjoyed just getting to spend some time with you. Certainly hope this isn't the last that we get to have a conversation here. But again, thank you for joining the HR Works podcast. Absolutely. I will see you in Vegas. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.